Locked on Heat on today's show, where does Kyle Lowry rank among the best Heat players? Why we have some concerns about the team's offense, and we celebrate National Sandwich Day. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Thursday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However you may be listening, YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thank you so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is Wes Goldberg. How are you doing, Wes? I'm good. Excellent. This episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to all of our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. We're opening up the mailbag today to answer questions you submitted on Twitter, uh, on YouTube comments, and on Apple podcast reviews. And we'll start with this question. Making the rounds on Twitter, where does Kyle Lowry rank among this current roster? Because there's a lot of back and forth, Wes. I don't know if you've been seeing this, but uh, Toronto Raptors fans are getting a little sensitive about how we treat their superstar down here, their franchise's best player. And so there have been some back and forth about where does Kyle rank, what's he doing lately, uh, whether or not he's actually embraced heat culture or whether or not we've helped turn his career around because he just you know wasn't quite a good player in Toronto. I don't know. It's a little petty, a little fun, and a little interesting. But to me, it also has bigger MVP implications regarding Jimmy Butler, too. I guess, but this kind of strikes me as an extremely online conversation between – it's not Heat fans and Raptors fans. It's Heat Twitter and Raptors Twitter. And that's a very different kind of thing. It's a vocal minority of the fan base, but a minority nonetheless. Um, but I understand the sentiment. Um, look, I'm not... As far as the actual question go, where does Kyle rank on this team's roster? He's the third best player on this team. And if Raptors fans want to be upset about that, then they can be. But Jimmy Butler in is one of the 12 best players in the NBA. Kyle Lowry is not. That's not... I don't want to get on to like I the last thing I want to do is get into a corner where I am like bashing Kyle Lowry. I love Kyle Lowry. I love that I loved him when he was in Toronto. I love him that he's on this team now. But he's not one of the best 12 players in the league and Jimmy Butler is. Bam Adebayo is one of the best 25 players in that in the league and that's be and most of like the the you know NBA rank stuff that was coming out before the season had him in the top 20. Right. Kyle Lowry wasn't in there. Like this isn't Heat fans just saying that. This is national media, national analysts, people who watch this game, just saying, like, look, Kyle Lowry is great. He's an all-timer as far as, uh, you know, this generation of players, as far, you know, he's got a championship ring. That's something that Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo cannot say. But let's not act, like, at 35 years old right now that he is better than Jimmy Butler or that he's better than Bam Adebayo. I do think that with that core three, the Heat have one of, like, three of the best 35, 40 players in the NBA. Kyle Lowry's right there. But let's not sit here and, and act like he's the best player on Miami or he's even the second best player. This team goes with Jimmy Butler and Bam. 
the counter argument to that is two words, and I believe you and I agree with you, but the counter argument is two words, Bryn Forbes. You take away Kyle Lowry and you get swept by the Milwaukee Bucks and the best player on this roster, Jimmy Butler, gets outscored by Bryn Forbes. And that's why Toronto fans are pointing out, well, that six and one start is really nice. You wouldn't have that six and one start without Kyle Lowry. And I know this is where the conversation gets a little dicey because, again, we're talking about individual rankings, individual awards, things of that sort. You can't separate one from the other. It's a team sport, and it always will be, and that's how you evaluate these players is in that context, which is often not included in Twitter discussions. But I could see their argument. Like, this team is dynamic. This team is great. They're great and dynamic because of the rest of the team, but also because of the pace and the way, the style at which Lowry plays. And that's what's changed this particular group. Cause you know, Jimmy was there last year. Bam was there last year. Tyler was there last year. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're looking at a much better version of this heat team. And a lot of that is due to the fact that Kyle Lowry plays the way he does both his perimeter defense that allows Jimmy and Bam to do what they do. And also because of his style of offense, the way he gets everybody set up, the way he makes sure that you're in a position to score. So, I mean, is there a, is there any kind of validity to that argument? Again, no, no, Kyle Lowry changes the identity of this team completely on both ends of the court. I've written about it at the West side. We've talked about it here on locked on heat over the last week. It's, it, it, it's it, Reggie Miller couldn't stop talking about it last night during the Mavericks game. <laughs> it, it is absolutely the case, but it's not like you go back to the Brent Forbes thing here. The Heat didn't lose Jimmy Butler, add Kyle Lowry, and now they're better. They they didn't upgrade from Jimmy Butler. They upgraded from Goran Dragic, from Kendrick Nunn. That's the difference. That's the swing factor here, not from Butler to Lowry. Lowry is unimaginably helpful for this team. Right away, so quickly, they are taking on his identity. He is an identity changer, and you love that about Kyle Lowry. Again, I'm not going to get back into a corner by Raptors Twitter here to start bashing Kyle Lowry. I love Kyle Lowry, but there's a difference between all of that, uh, taking a small sample, Bryn Forbes, whatever it is, and and trying to kind of uh, extrapolate that over the course of an entire season. That's just not the way it works. The upgrade was from Dragic and Nunn to Kyle Lowry. That was the upgrade. The Heat are ton- like way better now because of that, not because somehow Kyle Lowry's effect on Jimmy Butler made Jimmy Butler a better player, that Kyle Lowry has usurped the, the number one status the way LeBron did to Dwayne Wade. Like that's, not what, that's just not what is happening here. All right, how about this as a follow-up then? Is Kyle closer to number two in the team's current ranking, or is he closer to number four? Because I imagine the fourth best player Mm. would be Tyler. Could you make an Mm. argument that Tyler is better than Lowry? Could you make an argument that Lowry is better than Bam? I would say that the best. No, I, I think it's pretty equidistant, and that's I guess a pretty cop. That's a cop out of an answer. But like, what do you think? He's Bam's really good, man, and and Tyler Hero's getting there. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I think Lowry in a vacuum is probably the fourth best player on this team. And, and that's that sucks to say because, again, immensely impactful. You love him as a player, and I don't think that's necessarily a knock. I just think it doesn't suck to say. Him. That means you just have three really good players. <laughs> that's a good point, Four. sir. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, and that, yeah, absolutely. Like, you can make a strong case that PJ Tucker is being an anchor of this team's defense because of the way he guards fours, because of his switchability, too. So, there, look, these conversations. Don't ever include any kind of nuance. I know everybody is being really subjective about this because you have your favorite players, and that's totally fine. But this team only goes as far as Jimmy Butler can take him. That's without a doubt. We saw that. If anything, that's further proof 
of the fact that Jimmy is the team's greatest player because when he gets shut down, when he gets limited because there's nobody else to take some of the pressure off of Jimmy uh, defensively, then all of a sudden you've got what you had in the last playoff series against the Bucks, where basically he gets swept. So I think that's a huge talking point there that people are kind of ignoring in this conversation. But anyway, look, look, you're right. Four really great players on his team and not a bad fifth starter and, and PJ Tucker too. The best the best version of this team does include Tyler Hero being the third best player. That's the best version of this team and Lowry kind of going down to four. Uh, we can we can parse what best means. I think Lowry defensively is going to be better than Tyler Hero ever will be and in oh. as a as a playmaker as a facility uh, a facilitator he's going to be better than Tyler Hero ever will be. But if Tyler could be Maybe I shouldn't say the third best player, but he's got to be one of the two best scorers on this team, like leading scorers, and that's mm-hmm. what he is right now. And that's yeah. why the Heat are starting off the way they are. But let's not like get too far in the weeds with this without saying like Heat fans are very grateful to the Raptors for Kyle Lowry. They just are. Like, this is a very extreme, like I said at the top, an extremely online argument that just seems a little silly to me. No doubt. I, I mean, I think look, they're overprotective of their guy. I totally get it. And then I think Heat fans like poking the bear a little bit. We're, we're a sensitive sport, you know, group too. It's been that way since 2010 and uh, it makes little sense. But we'll move on. The schedule gets tough for the Heat and the critics are coming for Eric Spolstra's lineups. We'll talk about that next. But first, a reminder that if you're looking for parts for your car or truck, there's only one place that you want to go to. It's not your traditional chain storefront. You can go in there. They start asking you questions. They look up parts that they happen to carry in their warehouse on their computer. Why go through all that? You've got an access to computer at your home or in your pocket, which means you've got access to rockauto.com, a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. That's two-plus decades of great customer service. Their website is so easy to use. You just are a few easy clicks from finding the part that you need delivered directly and safely to your door. I used it, saved hundreds of dollars. I had to change the taillight in my wife's car, found the parts really easily, got them delivered in the middle of the pandemic. It was a great way of saving money and not having to interact with people in the first place. So that was a really good boost there. And again, it's so easy to use, so easy to navigate through their website. And if you go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, just go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us? And write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. It's great, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. And we are back and better than ever. I'm talking about Bet Online, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts, and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This next question comes from Sean, who writes in, Given the point differential and early success, do the Heat need to improve their three-point shooting? It seems like the way they are winning is sustainable. David, what do you think? (laughs) Yes. I I mean, it's today's league. I can't imagine any way where you can reliably go into a series and not have that advantage. Look, if nothing else, you have to have the threat of a three-point line. And and that's where the difference is to me. 
Like if you go the whole season, all 82 games, and you somehow hover around 20-something percent, then that changes the way teams will defend you. You also have you have to have the potential for a Duncan Robinson to go seven of nine, for a Kyle Lowry to shoot whatever he shot yesterday against the Dallas Mavericks. To me, the three-point line is a weapon. It's a, a, the threat of the weapon more than anything else because it changes the way teams will defend you. And that's where it becomes crucial for Miami to be able to prove on a consistent pace. Look, we've seen from Jimmy Butler. You know, we were just talking about him in the previous segment. Not a shooter. Teams guard him as such. They know they can kind of sag off him a little bit, give him a little bit more space from the perimeter, knowing that maybe he'll take the shot. But it's okay because 70% of the time, he's not actually going to take it. Nor make it, rather. Yeah, that's true. And um, look, you look at the numbers here for the the Miami Heat from a three-point shooting perspective. They are seventh in the league in three-point field goal percentage. So it's not as if they can't make the three, but they're taking the six fewest threes in the league, 31.6 per game. Uh, they're ranked 17th in makes, David, at 11.6. Um, they are third in true shooting percentage at 57.7%. So all of that, when you when you consider all of that, and Eric Spolstra, I thought, said it well last night after the game, saying, hey, look, we're getting to our matchups. We're taking what the defense gives us. Uh, and a lot of times for this team, it's isolation with Jimmy Butler. It's posting up Bam Adebayo. It's isolation with Tyler Hero. It's threes maybe only for Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson. But for the most part, they are taking what the defense gives us. But Spolster also added, hey, look, if they start taking all that stuff away, we're confident that we have the shooters to make those shots. They just haven't had to do it yet. I am concerned, though, David, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I don't think that they have the amount of shooters that you typically need. Jimmy Butler is very hit or miss, more times missed than not. P.J. Tucker is streaky from the corners. Uh, Bam Adebayo is not a three-point shooter as much as people want him to be. He's just not there yet. Duncan Robinson, of course, is. Kyle Lowry is a very efficient three-point shooter over the course of his career. He's been hitting like 90% of his threes over the last couple games. Uh, Max Struess is injured, though, and I just don't know how much three-point shooting you really do have on this roster. And then you look, as far as this offense goes, it is one of the top offenses in the league right now. I mentioned the true shooting percentage. The offensive rating, I think, is one or two right now in the league. Their point differential is better than any other team in the NBA by miles. But let's look at the schedule and where these defenses that they've gone uh, up against rank. Milwaukee in that opening night uh, game currently are 13th in defensive rating. Uh, Indiana, 24th in defensive rating. Orlando, 30th. Brooklyn, is ninth. They're pretty good. Charlotte, 28th. Memphis, 29th. Dallas, from uh, the other night, 18th. That That's an average defensive rating of 109.4. That would rank 23rd in the NBA. And here's why I'm worried, David, is because you look at this upcoming schedule. Boston rank is ranked 25th in defensive rating. They're no good. But you got Utah at 4th, Denver at 3rd, the Lakers are 16th, the Clippers are 5th, Utah is 4th. I just mentioned like the average in the the schedule that they've already played, that portion would rank 23rd in the NBA. This upcoming this upcoming slate, you put their defensive ratings together and put it on in an average, it would rank ninth in the NBA. You've got a much tougher set of defenses coming up is what I'm trying to say. And there might be the point where, Eric, to Eric Spolster's point, where they do have to rely on the three-point shooting. And I'm not sure they have it. I am a little concerned, if I'm being honest. No, it's, it's a great point. Uh, I mean... You have to have the same kind of versatility on offense that you do on defense in order to be able to switch or drop or do different things as far as your coverage schemes and things of that sort, have to give maximum effort. All those things matter on both sides of the ball. And that's as cliche and simplistic as you can get, but that's also the truth. 
and look, you don't have Victor Oladipo out there yet. I'm not sure if Tyler's shot is going to be consistently falling from three-point line right now. It's not as good as it could be. And, and you mentioned Struess. Does Caleb Martin step up? Does Gabe Vincent finally find that shooting stroke that we were told was going to be there three years ago? I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen. So they need to. They might need to make some kind of changes. And I don't know that there are a lot of options available. Yurt Seven is not going to be a much of an option. Marcus Garrett is not a shooter at all. So that's even a west a lesser you know addition to this roster. So. Those are good questions, and I don't know if Miami has any kind of real obvious answers. You just have to well, the hope. answer is Yeah, the answer is just doubling down and just letting Bam and Jimmy and Kyle Lowry do their thing. I mean, I still think there's going to be an element to spacing because there's they're so unpredictable. They move the ball so well. Like, that stuff is going to be there. The transition stuff is going to be there. But um, it's not as if this team is going to transform into a three-point shooting team anytime soon. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how they hold up against some of these tougher defenses. Yeah. Let's go on to this next question. From Luke, who writes in, although this team and its depth has been incredible, injuries are inevitable, and the Heat have several players, Gabe Vincent, Casey Akpala, Yurtsevin, who clearly aren't ready to be major contributors this year. Can and will the Heat look to trade or buy out someone or all of them to bring in a vet? David, we've talked about this on this show. Those are kind of the names that you're talking about. I think this team would be reluctant to part with Yurtsevin. I think they like his upside there, his skill level at the center position. I think if they're going to keep one of those three, he might have like the most long-term, you know, uh, uh, bang potential. potential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas Gabe Vincent, you mentioned like, is that really going to ever come around? Kaziak Paula kind of similar. Like, is this ever going to really happen? Um, we've mentioned names like John Wall, Kevin Love, lesser uh, star type names like Thaddeus Young. There might be three-point shooters who come available. Uh, they, they still have that 15th roster spot available. I do think that come trade deadline, the Heat, if things keep going the way that they are going, and as much as concerns as I have with the three-point shooting, I still think that the Heat are a very good team and legit contenders in the Eastern Conference. I'm not saying that they aren't. Um, and so given that, I think Pat Riley will absolutely double down at some point, given the opportunity, and go after one or two extra guys. I, I think he will. But to Luke's question, will the Heat look to trade either Gabe Vincent or Casey Opala? And my question is, to whom and, and for what? I, I just don't see a realistic answer there because we're talking about now that's become increasingly clear that players come to Miami become much more serviceable than they ever are at any other point in their career. And then from that point, it's a sharp decline. And so if you're looking at a Casey Opala who can't crack the rotation in Miami, guess what? He's not going to crack it anywhere else, no matter how bad. He might not crack it in the G League at this point. He might not start for the the, the Shanghai Sharks. Uh, you know, that's a I, look. I hate to say it, but that's just the reality. Is that he just hasn't been able to figure it out what it takes to be a productive NBA player. So, I mean, you could trade to a you know an Oklahoma City or somebody willing no, to take you trade, on players. You, you like trade one of those guys with cash into somewhere with cap room and that would be it it would just be a little right, bit of a, a second revenue. round pick that never conveys or something Maybe even, yeah something yeah some one of those highly protect just something like that where you know you're trading them to a team that can use a little bit of boost of revenue that would be the only thing but as far as trading any of those guys for anything substantial yeah it's not gonna happen right. uh sure. billy from cleveland writes in wes great to have you back you and david are such a great team thanks billy appreciate that i remember billy um enjoy the live post game follow-up my question is we know how much of a stickler Spo is when it comes to his lineups. I personally would rather have Tyler Hero off the bench as a super six man to ensure that we have two of our four best players on the court at all times. But what would Tyler have to do for Spo to feel his hand has been forced to make Hero the starter? What do you think, David? 
I mean, it would take a Duncan Robinson injury or another injury to the starting lineup. But even then, I'm not sure if, if Max Struess is available or if uh, Caleb Martin shows that he can be a productive player. Like We talked about this in the live stream yesterday. I just don't see any way where Tyler winds up supplanting a current starter just because of his skill set being not necessarily limited, but you want to be able to provide some kind of consistency as far as playmaking and shooting is concerned. You're getting some of that, obviously, that starting lineup with Kyle Lowry. You can get some of it off the bench as well with Tyler Hero. And yes, those two players can play together, but you also want to have you know Jimmy Butler get his rest as a playmaker and shooter and score and things of that sort. So I just don't see any opportunity for Tyler really to break that starting lineup. And I know we've heard that Tyler might be interested in that starting job. I don't necessarily believe it. I think Yes, players love the idea of starting, but I think they love the idea of closing more than anything. And Tyler's been pretty consistent in saying, be a star in your role. Whether that means starting or coming off the bench. Look, Duncan just got paid $90 million. He spent the better part of his career watching as other teams go out there in the clutch moments in fourth quarters. So I I think you're okay. You're going to get paid. You're still going to have a good career. You just might not be out there in, in clutch situations. And that's where Tyler thrives. Yeah, I mean, he's been closing games, right? He leads the the Heat in fourth quarter minutes, I believe. Uh, he's been the guy that's been in the end of these games. Now, part of that is because Duncan Robinson hasn't been shooting very well, and Tyler Hero has. Um, but he's also more of a creator than Duncan Robinson is, right? Also, that Spo is leaving Tyler out there even after blowouts like they did against Dallas, like yeah. when Tyler fell out there. I don't know. Um, that's that's a questionable decision on Spolstra's part. Like, you don't want to risk injury. I know you want to get Tyler a chance yeah. to boost his numbers and things of that sort, but you, you don't want to take a chance on an injury. Yeah, I guess somebody's got to play. I guess that's the logic. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that this is going to happen anytime soon. The good news is that Tyler Hero basically is the starter in waiting, whether that's when Kyle Lowry ages out, if it's Jimmy Butler who ages out, whatever. Um, And by the way, like Jimmy Butler hasn't like he misses 15 plus games pretty much every year with injuries, things like that. Kyle Lowry's already missed a game with injury like I would be more interested to see if Eric Spolster goes now with Tyler Hero in that starting lineup as opposed to a Gabe Vincent or somebody who's just been a little bit less impactful. Um and maybe you just go hero. Maybe that's the only opportunity here, but as far as anything happening immediately with the starting lineup, it just feels like everybody is clicking with this rotation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Every time that Jimmy gets fouled and he, he grabs his hand, it always seems like he's got some kind of lingering fracture or something like that. Don't say a that. Wrist injury. I, I just, I keep thinking, I look, I, I saw before the pandemic at a point in time, I know I've mentioned this show a bunch, but like Jimmy limps around like a 90 year old man sometimes. And I know that's right after games and I know he's in great shape and everything else. And obviously we see him be productive on the floor, but sometimes that body's being held together by scotch tape and chewing gum. And that's not going to cut it through an 82 game season. And big face coffee Uh, coming up. Are the heat better than the nets? Even with Kyrie Irving, we're going to talk about that next, but first this episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing that they're going to have dependable Wi-Fi and and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's a place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Um, David, when I first moved out to the Bay Area before coming back home to Miami here, um, I got a job uh, working for part-time for a local newspaper. I eventually became the Warriors beat writer for that newspaper. But my first gig uh, was covering Friday night football games, freelancing. 
And what I would have to do, it, the thing about these high school stadiums is they don't have dependable Wi-Fi. They don't even really have a place for media to sit. You basically just walk around the field, take notes in a notepad, and then j- try to race to your car, beat a bunch of drunken high schoolers in, to, to the parking lot, get to your car. And what I would do is I was, before the game, look up the nearest McDonald's. This is not even, I'm not even making this up for the sake of the ad read. Like, I literally would do this. Look up the nearest McDonald's because I knew that McDonald's had the Wi-Fi jump in my car, race to that McDonald's, get in there like a crazy person. Again, still just a bunch of drunken high schoolers near me eating their their cheeseburgers and their french fries, wondering why this dork uh, is in a polo shirt on his computer at a McDonald's at 1130 at night or whatever time it is. And I'm filing my story on deadline. I get the story in. And then as an award for myself, I get some french fries. I get myself a burger. And that's how my Friday nights went for the better part of a year. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. As always, we're wrapping up our mailbag edition of today's Locked on Heat. And we've got some final questions here. This one comes in via direct message from Nick. He writes in, this is a great start to the season. I agree. I feel like we are so deep and this might be our year do you think we have are better than the Brooklyn Nets when they have Kyrie Irving, or are we better than the Lakers? Uh, well, let's just start. Let's start with the Lakers first. Uh, right now, yeah, they're better than the Lakers. There's a whole lot of teams that are better than the Lakers right now. They've got a lot uh, of stuff to figure out. As far as the Nets is concerned, no, I don't think that this team is better than them when Kyrie Irving comes back. If Kyrie Irving comes back, um, and if Kyrie Irving comes back and stays back, we don't even know if that'll be the case. Right now, it's he does. He wants to be a voice for the voiceless or something like that. Maybe later on he wants to be a voice for the people with voices. I don't know. It, it's just something always new with Kyrie Irving. Um, I My question for Brooklyn is not whether or not they are good when they are at full strength. They are by far the best team in the league, and I haven't seen anything to make me think otherwise. I think James Harden will figure it out. Kevin Durant is probably still the best player in the NBA or up there in the top two or three. Um, my question for the Nets is, can they just keep those three on the floor at any point um, for a sustained amount of time, specifically in the postseason? Those are my questions. And if that's that's the thing about the Heat that they've done this year, I don't think on paper everything equal. They are as talented as Brooklyn or even Milwaukee. But what they have done is they've given themselves a chance if the door does open up in the East. And they're kind of forcing it open a little bit. Yeah, I, I know that Miami is playing really, really well right now. I just don't necessarily count on Kyle or anybody on this Heat roster being able to shut down Kyrie for a consistent amount of time. Like, I know it's fun to kind of poke, you know, fun at, at Kyrie Irving and for all of his comments and everything else like that. Although sometimes it seems a little bit more tragic than it is funny. Having said that, he's still a really damn good basketball player. There were some fans that were pretty up in arms about the fact that Irving wasn't selected as one of the 75 best NBA players of all time that might be a little bit of a stretch but the fact that he's even in that conversation however loosely speaks to the incredible amount of skill that he has so that is a really really good team Harden made the list Durant obviously made the list there was a very very good players again whatever struggles they might be going through in terms of getting to the line I still think that's a really really solid team maybe you have concerns about their depth but you know what their depth looks a lot better when you have three superstars on the floor who are taking up most of the scoring bulk there. You don't have to worry about it as much. And you know what? They'll also probably make a run at a pretty significant player 
down the road. If let's say Kyrie gets vaccinated or, or he's able to play for to some degree, James figures it out in terms of getting the foul calls more to his liking. And that's a much better roster, I think, at that, you know, once the trade deadline or buyout market becomes open up and you're a veteran player looking for a chance at a, a ring, I don't see any reason why you'd pick Miami at this point. I think right. Brooklyn's path is probably a lot more likely to get to the finals than Miami's, which is fine. Miami will take it. I don't think they they, they kind of like that chip on their shoulder. So I don't think it really bothers them at all. Uh, let's move on. This question comes in from George. This is a good one. Kind of hearkening back to some of our old days here at Locked on Heat before you took your long sabbatical. Who would win in a matchup? Five Tyler Heroes or five Kyle Lowry's? That's a great one. Five Tyler's versus five Kyle's. Wes, who do you got? Listen up, Raptors fans. It's five Kyle Lowry's. I mean, just you got to play defense if you're playing five on five. It's five Kyle Lowry's. You just you trust the Kyles to pass, to just be up-tempo, pitching the ball ahead to each other and then pitching it backwards and then a bunch of quarterbacking and all that stuff. Defensively, they're super switchable, especially if they're just playing five Tylers. It's five Kyle Lowry's. Yeah, I mean, 25 pounds of muscle notwithstanding. I don't think that uh, Tyler Hero is going to be able to take on Kyle Lowry for any prolonged period of time. All that Kyle has to do is just kind of drop that, you know, what he's just going to back into to Tyler consistently, work him like in the low post, <laughs> and then all of a sudden be able to get his shot to his liking. We know that he's probably cocky enough. Uh, to be able to take that shot, you know, I think, look, it's a it's a good matchup. You know, I could see Tyler getting a few points here and there. It's not going to be a clean sweep or anything like that. But at the same wow. time, the defense really leans heavily in Kyle's favor. So I, I like Lowry that. and I mean, five. Lowry how, about, and five. How, how about how about P.J. Tucker versus Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry. The only wow. the only player that beats five Kyle Lowry's is five Jimmy Butler's. Because five yeah. Bams doesn't have the shooting. Oh, he does, according to those grainy workout videos when he goes one on one with players. I, I you know, I don't know. I could Wait see that. Take one three pointer on the court this season. Um, all right, today is National Sandwich Day, David. So to celebrate, <laughs> take me through your ideal sandwich. Oh, I, I, you know what? I, I was caught off guard. I was not prepared for this question whatsoever. Uh, you know, it's in the show notes. I don't know why. <laughs> No, oh, I, you know, I didn't even look at that. I thought you were just going to wax poetic about you know your favorite sandwich or something I like that. I can do that. Me, no, no. Look, I, I just, you know, I, I can't have my perfect sandwich. You know, I am a, a sucker for like the basics and uh, honestly, like, uh, you know, meats that I don't eat anymore. Like, uh, yeah. I, I love buffalo chicken. I know that's trashy. Yeah. Like, ever, like I, my, my wife looks at like disdainfully at buffalo sauce. I, I think it's delicious. You melt some like pepper jack cheese, put a little crispy bacon on there. Yeah, get your wife tomatoes. on this podcast. There is nothing wrong with buffalo sauce. I probably eat a gallon of buffalo sauce don't, a month. Like, don't let don't let her hear that. She is dying. She's like outside the door of the office right now, waiting to come in there and start talking about something. Giving gonna giving ridiculous. Door. She's gonna break the door open and and wax. Uh, and just come come yeah. down and talk about how bad buffalo sauce is for you. Yes, yes, she will. She'll <laughs> rage against the buffalo sauce. Absolutely. Rage uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, it's got to be a good combination of bread. Yeah. And listen, I've I've listened to the Old Man in the Three podcast. I don't know what the hell JJ Reddick is talking about when you say you can't include tomato on sandwiches. That tomato ruins every sandwich. I think he's wrong. I think that's tomato. So tomato is a high variance item. Tomato is like the three point shooting. No, because it's not as important as three point shooting. Tomato is like offensive rebounds. Like you can sometimes just win. I don't know. I don't know what tomatoes is. I'm trying to stretch this metaphor. But to me, when I'm at a sandwich counter, 
if the tomato looks good, I'll add the tomato on my sandwich. And if it doesn't look good, then I just, I'm very okay not having tomato. And it's not like I eat that sandwich. I'm like, boy, I wish I had some tomato. If it, like a good tomato can elevate it just a little bit. I have no problem with a tomato. I don't know what JJ Reddick is talking about. I also don't want to get any of my food advice from JJ Reddick um, in general. Um, but, or maybe I should, I don't know. The guy seems like he's played in the NBA for a long time. He probably has pretty he's, decent he's, nutrition. He's a, he's a foodie. He's a foodie. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's a, yeah, a bit of a wine snob and food well, snob. I'm, I'm a sandwichy. My, my Instagram uh, thing, my profile is sandwich snob. I am a proud sandwich snob. I will tell you this. The other part of the question is the one thing that can ruin a sandwich. And I'll tell you what can ruin a sandwich is when I order. So my favorite sandwich, my ideal sandwich to answer the first part of the question is just very simple. Just give me roast beef and provolone. If I can get like, if I can go to the Spadas, they've got the monster that has like roast beef and turkey and provolone. Is that cold or is that a hot roast beef? Is is that hot roast beef or cold roast beef? Cold roast beef. If I wanted hot roast beef, I'd go to Christmas dinner. I want cold, thinly sliced roast beef. The one thing that can ruin a sandwich, and I encountered this a lot in California, is when you ask for cold cuts, like just normal deli meat, they slice it like it's Thanksgiving, David. Like they just get hunks of roast beef hunks of turkey. I'm like I didn't like I didn't ask for a Thanksgiving sandwich in July. I wanted a deli sandwich. I wanted a sub sandwich. And uh I I, I just I can't go over that. That's the one thing that can absolutely ruin a sandwich. Of course the bread has to be on point. All of that has to be good. And I just recommend to people who don't know what a good sandwich is, go to Publix, go to the Spadas, they'll handle it. Speaking of buffalo chicken, David, the Publix the buffalo chicken sandwich at, at Publix, it's got to be like one of their number one selling items. I, I just I, I don't know. understand it. I, I don't understand know. it. Well, I'll tell you what, though, that roast beef take kind of regret leaving that key under the mat. I'll be honest with you. At this point, I'm starting Should to really slice cold. There's no place for toasted subs in my world. No, I, I, if you need wow. a toasted, that's like ordering bu- boneless. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I can't take. It. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no respect for that. All right. Well, any other sandwich takes before we wrap up today's episode of Locked On Heat? Nope. Go ahead and wrap it up. All right, that'll do it for today. Remember to subscribe to future episodes on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Comment and leave a five-star rating and reach us at Twitter at Locked on Heat. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure your second listen every day is Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet, and it's free and available on all platforms. For Wes Goldberg, this is David Ramil signing off for now. Wrap it up, beat.